नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चारबक पॉडकास्ट दिस इज योर होस्ट कुशल मेहरा ऑल राइट सो माय गेस्ट टुडे इज डेविड फिंकल नाउ आई मेट डेविड आई गेस इट वाज ऑन द 20 लास्ट इट वाज इन जून आई गेस व्हेन टू बी प्रिसाइज आई थिंक इट वाज द 27th और 26 आई डोंट रिमेंबर द एग्जैक्ट डेट डेविड वाज आल्सो वन ऑफ द स्पीकर्स एट संहिता द सेलिब्रेशन ऑफ मल्टीकल्चरलिज्म व्हिच वाज ऑर्गेनाइज्ड बाय द ग्रेट इंडियन फेस्टिवल एंड कैनेडियन सेंटर फॉर माइंडफुल हैबिटेट्स एट द शेखमन आर्ट सेंटर इन ऑटावा एंड इनफैक्ट डेविड वाज वन ऑफ द फर्स्ट ओपनिंग स्पीकर्स ओवर देयर यू नो इट वाज अबाउट स्टोरी टेलिंग एंड फोक टेल्स फ्रॉम डिफरेंट कल्चर्स एंड आई वाज जस्ट मेसमराइज्ड एट दैट टाइम व्हेन यू नो डेविड uh try to explain uh, his culture where he comes from the history through stories and i remember at that time going up to david and telling him you have to come on the podcast and david was nice enough to agree and uh, he's right here david thanks for coming hey my pleasure thanks for having me man all right so david uh, so i have this thing in the on the on the podcast because you're here for the first time if you could tell a li- little bit about yourself to everybody uh, what you do uh, your background and uh, how how the process of uh, your own discovery into what you do ha- has begun maybe we can start over there sure uh, i like long walks on the beach sometimes chilling with netflix uh dinner in a movie no i'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst thing in the world to talk about oneself you know that's uh... but yeah okay so i'll give you a little brief of a ba- uh, back- background here i come from a place called uh, tynanega mohawk territory which is in between it's on the 401 highway in ontario canada in between the two large cities of uh well we consider them large here um Kingston and uh um Toronto so on the 401 there along the beautiful bay of quinney is a nice little bay that separates a, a large body of land that is in lake ontario so it's a very shallow bay good for fishing very popular spot people usually have to travel through there if they want to go to sandbanks provincial park which is a very uh popular um unique uh land area it has like rolling dunes and there's nothing really like that in Canada except for for that spot pretty much anyway so that's how people uh, usually know where i'm from it's a mohawk indian reserve although we don't really call it a reserve we call it a territory and uh that's where i was born and raised and uh when i was a young boy was it wasn't really a lot of development there um now if you were to go there well the roads are paved and uh all the houses have hydro and running water and stuff and um but uh, when i was young <laughs> I, we were living in spots that did not have um uh running water so you had to wait for the rains to come and you would run outside with a bar of soap because <laughs> it was shower time you know <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah i know i know canada considers itself a very rich nation and it is of course i mean on paper but uh not necessarily for the indigenous po- folks that live here still to this day in fact uh, we have something like 76% of all of the uh, uh indigenous reserves they're, they're not even able to drink the water because if they have water or if they have housing there's a lot of disparities there but uh, i loved it it uh, it was it was a good good area to fish and so then i started making drums and we do the powwow circuit a powwow is like our party man it's like uh i guess it's the closest thing to like a gypsy lifestyle that we have here in canada so where you travel around and you set up your tables and you sell your handcrafts and and we all know each other and, and uh on the weekends on the different indigenous reservations uh we set up 
and we sell and we trade our goods and it's skins and handmade uh, instruments, these sorts of things. And uh, yeah, we travel around. It's a good life. Uh, you know, we help each other out. You see somebody with a flat tire, you help get them to the next powwow. We call it the powwow highway. It's uh, it's kind of like a way of life. Some people call it the red road um, because uh, uh, European people, when they came over here, they called us uh, red Indians and stuff. We don't really use those terms and stuff like that but um, anymore. But uh, that was just because Christopher Columbus was really, really terrible at geography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was looking for my people. <laughs> Yeah, he got a little mad. I tell you, maybe he got the uh, crappy end of that stick. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know we definitely did anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, tell me about it. Uh, I, I can hear you. But on the term, David, uh, I actually, uh, like we were discussing offline, I, I'm i really, you know, like I was petrified, uh, literally. Like, what is the correct term that I use? Like I mentioned to you, when I went to Australia, the word, they, the term they use is Aborigines. Now in America they call them Native Americans, right? Uh, that, that's the term they use. So now, so what is the correct term if I was to talk about it and I was to discuss the the indigenous uh, people, the the first people, the first nation? Because the, I've heard the the term first nation, I've heard Inuit, I've heard indigenous. So so uh, are there differences? Are there subtleties? Then different people have different terminologies. So how do we know about that? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, that's uh, uh, what happened was. When uh, Christopher Columbus came over, of course, like you said, he was looking for India. And uh, he's like, oh, who put this land here? I guess I must have hit India. Well, you know, he was kind of wrong about that. But uh, but the name stuck. And so that's why a lot of us were called Indians for so long, until, until very recently. And uh, uh, the term, like, for instance, you mentioned the uh, Aborigine of um, Australia. Uh, it's very close to what we used to be called until just maybe... Uh, 10 years ago, not even. Oh, wow. uh, we used to be called Aboriginals. And a lot of people took uh, exception to that. And the reason is, is because Aboriginal, technically, if you look at it in the dictionary, the term means other than normal, like different than normal. And we were trying to say, well, hey, we are the normal here. We were always here. And and uh, so, you know, you know what I mean? So it's like, how can we be Aboriginal? If anything, it's the Europeans that are <laughs> Aboriginal. But, but uh, so, so uh, that term, you can even hear it used now. Native Americans, there, there's another one too. Why, that, why is that strange to use? Uh, it's not offensive or anything, but sometimes it can be considered a little bit incorrect because America is very young. In the scope of things and uh, just recently actually i was looking in the news they found footprints uh, down in the southern states um, that are like possibly twenty-three thousand years old from indigenous wow. people that were here yeah you know a good long while right so um when we see things like for instance uh canada day everyone's like happy 150 whatever we're at now you know we're a very young nation and uh i'm like unless you're aboriginal or indigenous, or whatever word you want to use, right? Unless you're indigenous, so there's happy, you know, 23,000th. <laughs> because when do you start counting from? Just when the colonials arrive? You know? So, so uh, what kind of has happened here is because um, there are three distinct um, uh, cultural groups, for the most part, in Canada. Uh, mm -hmm. Things are generally sort of accepted as uh, First Nations, 
which is that that's like your indigenous folks like um, um, Cree, Algonquin, Mohawk, like myself, um, mm -hmm. you know, Salish, uh, um, all these different nations, Ojibwe. I mean, there's like 79 distinct languages and cultures in, in Canada alone. Open that up to the rest of the Americas and you're into over 2000, you know. Um, so and if you go up north, we have our Inuit. So there's number two. You have First Nations, Inuit. And we can't forget another group of people. It is kind of a combination of um, European and indigenous, like First Nations. They came together and formed their own culture and settlements that predate the Dominion of Canada. And we call those people the Métis people. Okay. So it, Métis doesn't simply mean mixed, like European and and. Uh, First Nations. These were actual settlements of uh, folks that were living there, and then Canada happened despite them. So they kind of got the same sort of treatment as all the rest of us. Uh, so whenever we usually do an event, we try to make sure that we acknowledge all three of those uh, cultural groups. And that's just sort of the way that things have boiled down just in recent years. Everything's very new here. All right. So, so hope that answers it. No, no, no. So this is perfect. So, so can we talk a little bit about the Mohawk community then? Uh, uh, maybe. Uh, so, what's the history of the Mohawk community? And, um, like you said, you your community is from a particular area which is near the four hundred one or or off the four hundred one. Now, it, so how far uh, is the Mohawk community spread across Canada? Are there different states where the Mohawk community is there? Yeah, actually, uh, it, it straddles the border. Of the, of the state so uh, there's a mohawk valley down in new york state and mm -hmm. some of our uh, reserves actually are right in the middle like the line goes right through them uh, and uh but traditionally up around where i'm from it was not necessarily our indigenous lands uh we that's a long story and i'll wrap it up really quick for you here uh because we don't want to talk about too much boring history stuff but uh what it was was um the Queen of England and France, they were fighting over the colonies for all the profitable fur trade. And they wanted control over those those colonies. Uh, timber, too, for uh, the masts of ships, these sorts. And they were a huge naval power, both of them. So uh, we got drawn up into a lot of those conflicts. And after we made a deal with the Americans that they reneged on and didn't actually end up honoring, we were kind of left without a territory. But we were known as uh, fierce warriors. So we went, to, we actually sent a guy, um, Joseph Brandt, his native name was Tynanega. His father was a captain in the British Navy and his mother was a uh, Mohawk. So, and because it's a matriarchal society, he was kind of a hereditary war chief as well. The word Tynanega means two sticks bound together. So uh, he was strong because he had one foot firmly planted in each of those. So he was a good diplomat to send very, very early, uh, 1700s, you know. So we sent him to uh, England to meet with the queen. And he, he looked at the queen and he's like, look, you're losing the colonies. France is going to kick you guys out of there. You need us. And we need a parcel of land because, you know, we've been kicked out of ours. Because we, we would grow corn. We weren't just a hunting culture. We needed land to grow our beans, corn, and squash. So uh, she made the deal that, uh, yeah, help us repel the French. And in return, uh, we'll give you a parcel of land. So this is why we find a lot of Mohawk folks up in uh, uh, what's now known as Canada area, even though traditionally our lands were a little bit further to the south. 
that that that's very interesting so now so now let's get into a little bit of the cultural aspect and uh, and just to give everybody a brief idea today's podcast is going to be slightly different because today's podcast is going to have segments where we might even have music today's podcast will have segments where we'll have storytelling because this is going to be at least uh, i'm lucky enough i think this is an opportunity for me to get uh, a a detailed uh, insight into a new culture and I'm selfish. I want to know everything then. <laughs> so, so, so it's like that. But okay, let's talk about maybe because let's start with the storytelling because I think that's a perfect segue um, into the mindset and the faith and the beliefs of the community itself. And I mean, uh, uh, and I'll tell you why I'm requesting you to maybe narrate the same story that you did at the at the festival where we met is because. i could relate to it because my the, the background i came from if you remember i i narrated one of the commonalities that i heard in your story with the bhagavad gita and i was like wow i mean these are so different cultures and, and you know we have similar kind of uh, lines of thinking so so maybe if you could narrate that story it would be amazing sure I, 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 now that story there i know so many of them uh what the one that i told that day was that the one did that happen to be the one about hummingbird yeah hummingbird Yeah yeah yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll be happy to tell you guys that cuz that, that's a good story to tell because it's not too too long. Some of our stories would go on for days. <laughs> and that would be a, a a war of attrition. Uh, that would be a long podcast. So don't yeah. worry. I'm not going to tell you any of those stories. <laughs> Now, uh before I tell you the story, I just want to uh, pre- preface this um storytelling was more than just kind of like a uh, form of entertainment before we had uh uh Minecraft and uh Fortnite, you know, <laughs> before YouTube. <laughs> what did we do right because it wasn't all doom and gloom and hard work of course it was living off the land but there was times where you had a successful crop or a successful hunt and it was time to relax what were you going to do with your time right so yeah there is that aspect of uh, the entertainment value of it but it was so much more than that storytelling uh, in particular for the indigenous folks and i suspect for probably many people in the world actually was not just entertainment it was like a form of um well it was a formalized educational system um one where people would listen to the stories identify with the characters and based on how things worked out for those people would decide whether or not they want to emulate that behavior or not so it not only kind of told you very uh, important facts about nature which mushrooms kill you what you do how explain how we got here all these sorts of things it also kind of would inform your moral compass and so it wasn't an institution It, we didn't all go to a spot and and listen to people that were recognized and accredited and and then get a diploma at the end of it uh, so um because it wasn't like that when the europeans came over and they saw they were like oh man these guys got no schools what are we going to do we better build some schools and uh, kidnap their children and force them to go there um it went right over their heads they didn't see the subtle way in the way that we did our teaching So yes we didn't have schools but we definitely had learning. So just with that in mind, I'll tell you the story now. Sure. And so now kind of like with that in mind see how maybe this story might uh help uh, inform someone's moral compass. All right, here we go. All right. Okay, so this is before the time of humans in North America. And many many years ago, it was just the animals in the forest. and the animals all spoke the same language and the leader was bear 
Barry was a very good, courageous leader. You know, he, he ate plants and medicines, knew how to outsmart the winter by sleeping through it. Uh, was very courageous and had a very keen sense of smell, which was put to the test one day when he woke up from a nap on a hot summer day to the smell of smoke. Of course, it was one of those dry, dry summers where there's no rains. And when you walk through the forest and you hear the crispy leaves and the sticks breaking under your feet because there's no moisture in the ground, sure enough, lightning had struck and created a raging fire. Well, he knew the danger that was involved in this and being a good leader, he wanted to take care of his people. So he stood up on his hind legs and he roared at the top of his lungs. He said, animals, get down to the water's edge as fast as you can. You'll be safe there. There's no way the flames will be able to cross the water. Get there as fast as you can. So they did. There was a big stampede of animals. You had frogs hopping and snakes slithering and deer galloping, birds flying, and they all congregate on the edge of the water. And they turn around, immediately relieved that they survived. But then their relief quickly turned to sadness as they turned around and they saw their forest home burning out of control. When we look at woods, we don't see undeveloped land. We see a pharmacy. We see a hospital, a wellness center, a temple, um, a grocery store. So that's everything. Oh, man, what are we going to do? They were so beside themselves. They were so upset. And then they just heard this strange sound. Of course, it was hummingbird. Hummingbird, his wings flap so fast. Uh, they, they, they hum, hence the word hummingbird. So hummingbird went out over the water. And they observed his behavior. What is he doing? He gets down to the water, hovering. He takes his beak, which is just like a little needle, puts it in, grabs as much water as he can carry. He takes out water, one single drop, flies over the fire, gets down as close as he can. It's raging. It's hot. He's sweating. He's ready to burst into flames himself. He gets as close as he can, and when he can't bear it any longer, he drops that drop of water. Now, if this was a Disney story, it would be magic water. The fire would go out, and we'd sing a song about it, and you could go to McDonald's and order a Happy Meal and uh, get your toy <laughs> made from the characters. Well, guess what? It's just in a Disney story. <laughs> what can one single drop of water possibly do to a fire? Nothing. It just psst, turned into steam. So he goes back, and he grabs another drop of water. He grabs that drop of water makes the trip again, drops it. Well, this is where you can hear the hearts breaking in the children when I tell them this story that it's, they can't, they can't accept. They've been given so many happy endings, they can't accept it. It's, it's not working. Well, this is what happens. Back and forth he goes, drop after drop after drop. And finally, the other animals are looking at each other and they're like, what is Hummingbird trying to do? Do you see this guy? I said, no, has he lost his mind? Yo, hummingbird, are you crazy, man? Can't you see it's not working? But back and forth, he goes, grabbing drop after drop. Well, their comments embolden everybody, and before you know it, they say, I guess it's okay, we can tease this guy. So, yeah, you're stupid, and they start calling him names and bullying him, but he doesn't let it stop him. He keeps going back, even though it doesn't seem to be working. Well, Bear sees what's going on. Bear is a good leader. He's not 
teasing hummingbird like that but even he doesn't quite understand i mean we don't have to be smart to be a leader so he says i don't understand what hummingbird's trying to do but i don't want to see my little buddy get teased so i had better put a stop to this so hummingbird comes back to get another drop of water and as he passes by all the animals gathered on the shore once again the bear stands up in his hind legs and says hummingbird what are you doing and Hummingbird stops just long enough to say the words, what I can. It's a heavy story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Now, how does that story affect us in our life? What sort of things can we learn from that? Well, if you're a little person in kindergarten, very, very young, four or five years old, um, quite often when I ask them that question, they'll answer, they'll say, even little people can be capable of great things, you know? So, so they identify with the character. It means that the story is working. Fast forward to today, our modern society. We're the animals in the forest. The forest is our world. What are the fires? Poverty, uh, war, racism, disease, pollution. Some of us are out there working like hummingbirds. Some of us are just acting like the other animals gathered on the shore. And some of us even go as far as to make fun of the people that are trying. If the other animals had have helped hummingbird, it would have been more than one drop of water. What is an ocean if not several individual drops of water? They might have been able to put their forest home out. you know. But instead, they spend their energy teasing the people that are trying. So this echoes today in our society, I believe. And I think that there's good lessons that can be learned from that story. No, absolutely. I totally agree with you. In fact, uh, like I said, you know, the moment I heard this story, it took me to Sri Krishna's message in uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, where, where Sri Krishna says in the famous verse, I mean, I'm just repeating the Sanskrit verse, which is where the message of Sri Krishna was always that you focus you have a goal in mind but you have to focus on your actions and when you stop focusing on your actions is when things go uh, out of order and it's very important to stay focused and i think the story of the hummingbird to me has always been about you know, the hummingbird is only focusing on what it can achieve and it is trying to do its own bit a lot of times people suffer what what is this called uh, nimby not in my own backyard or whatever they call it right so yeah yeah so so they, they they always say this is not in my backyard why should i bother about it or or in modern parlance it's called the no true scotsman fallacy right everybody uh, you know they think oh i'm not going to you know the famous thing where there are 10 farmers and there is a grazing land and one farmer thinks hey if my cow goes and grazes evil and kept, keeps on grazing and you know other nine are following it so who cares or or, or it's it's just uh, there are different versions of it uh, where uh, basically oh i'm sorry i used the wrong name it was not the true through scotsman it's the other one i forgot the name i'm completely blanked out but the, the idea is that when we we think about uh, others uh, doing it and not us having to do it is when problems stand and i think this was a, a you know, a, a really amazing uh, story that stood out to me. But now a little bit about the faith and the culture. Uh, so how does the Mohawk faith work? Like what is the, uh, you know, Mohawk faith? Like uh, uh, how does the faith system, how is it structured? 
Yeah, there, there is a structure to it. Uh, you know, um, have you ever heard the term um, bury the hatchet? Yes. Yes, oh, I You have. heard that one, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, that you know, and for those of you that don't know it, what it means is you, two people are not getting along or two parties are not going along, and maybe a third party might come and say, hey, you two, why are you guys fighting? Isn't it time you buried the hatchet? Meaning, make peace. Well, that comes from a story of uh, the peacemaker who was like, I guess the closest thing we could consider to like uh, a prophet figure that we had. We called him the peacemaker. And the peacemaker um, arrived in a stone boat in a canoe made of stone. And uh, he had another person with him that did the speaking for him because he himself had a stutter. Isn't that a strange thing to... Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a detail. I mean, I think that this guy actually existed. But anyways, apparently, uh, um, before the inception of the Six Nations Confederacy, as it is somehow known as, it's also we also have other names. We call ourselves the Haudenosaunee. Um, some people have called us the, um, uh, the Iroquois Confederacy. It's, it all means the same thing. It used to be just four. There was four nations that were kind of fighting amongst each other and the story goes that the peacemaker came and said to the four war chiefs that represented the four warring nations said gather around this white pine which is a really nice smelling beautiful tree that we have many of uh, in canada here and they did and they gathered around and uh, apparently he had like supernatural powers right so this guy lifted up the tree like levitated it and it created a great big huge pit uh, where the roots were, because it came real by the roots and all. And he said to the warring chiefs, he said, uh, take your war axes and your war hammers, your hatchets, throw them into that pit. And I don't know about you, but if I seen somebody do that, I'd be like, yes, sir. <laughs> right? <laughs> so they threw their, their weapons into the pit, and he replaced the tree and said through his interpreter, said, if you ever have another idea that you guys want to go to war with each other, come to this white pine, which now we call the tree of knowledge, um, and think and, and smell the, the fragrance that comes from this tree and be in the area where the tree grows, which is a very peaceful, wonderful place, and think and, and don't fight. So that's where the term bury the hatchet comes from. That's uh, fascinating. Not, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's not just like a cool saying, but it informs the beginning of our um, political and faith-based system where we respected each other. And uh, we actually, like I was saying before, we weren't predominantly a hunting culture. Uh, we did grow food. So we were sedentary. Uh, we grew, grew um, beans, corn, and squash. Uh, seeds that had been traded up over centuries from down south and slowly acclimated to the more northern temperatures. Uh, agriculture is a huge part of our culture. A lot of people think of uh, indigenous people and they don't think of farmers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we gave the world beans, corn, squash, tomatoes, potatoes, hot peppers, mm -hmm. uh, chocolate. All that is almost enough to make up for tobacco, right? <laughs> Sorry about that one. Although you can't blame us for that. Uh, what they're doing to cigarettes and stuff like that is not the way that we 
it's a mockery of a sacred medicine is what we see that as. But, but anyways, uh, so yeah, that, uh, what we could do historically is we took down our palisade walls because when you start to grow food, you can't just pick up and leave when someone comes and wants to pick a fight with you. You know, you, you can't just pick up your crops and take them with you. You're, you're firmly rooted where you are and you must defend them. So that, that made that we had to put uh, secure walls, palisades um, around our villages to protect those crops. Uh, part of the deal of our, our uh, peacemaker bringing peace to us and informing our political system and faith was that we would take down those walls. And we did. And they were down for centuries until the uh, colonials arrived and began to turn us against each other. So, uh, and uh, I do remember the name now. It's called the tragedy of the commons. But now to the main point. So, if I was to ask you this, David, and, and we don't need to dwell a lot of time on it, but I, I think how much of an impact did colonialism have? I'm not talking about on the physical aspect, but on the mental aspect of indigenous cultures in Canada. Uh, well, you know, there's many words like language. We can go back to language for that. Uh, there's mm -hmm. many words that we did not have uh, in our languages. And that is revealing to the concepts that those words represent meaning uh if we didn't have words for them we probably didn't even have the concepts for them things like i'm sorry we had no word for sorry we had no word for please uh we had a word for thank you uh, the general way that we would think i don't think anybody can know now that is alive because we're talking about kind of like a, a total sort of harmonious living with nature uh, for tens of thousands of years. No um, uh, toxic spills, nuclear waste, uh, wars where millions of people go and fight other millions of people simply because they prayed to earth and God. We had skirmishes, but it was always uh, land-based. It was like uh, you go to put your snare on a rabbit run. And you notice there's already a snare there. Hey, what's going on? One of us has to go because we re require a certain amount of acreage to draw a living from the land. And now that's out of balance. So we had those kinds of conflicts, but not the kind of conflicts that you see in the world today where, you know, tens of millions of people die. Um, so I, I don't think it's possible, is my answer. I don't think it's even possible for someone to conceive of uh, what that was like to have that mindset um, where you you know you consider the rocks the rivers the animals not to be apart from you but to be part of you and uh, you're part of it not the master of it that is a new concept that has come and us here in north america is a very capitalist culture so it pays to breed entitlement into people that you want to buy your product because without that entitlement you deserve this product that i make you owe it to yourself to get this product you know these sorts of things that those are alien concepts um nowadays what makes a person cool and driving around in a lamborghini who hey check it out look at how much money i have look how much how rich i am what made a person cool back in the day I have grown so much more food than I could even possibly eat. Enjoy. Here, have this food. Wow, that, that guy's cool. 
Look how look how good of a hunter that person is. Uh, they share with everybody. That's what made a person's social status high within the tribal hierarchy. Somehow that got twisted around. Now it's like I have so much more than my share. Look how cool I am. And it's a result of colonialistic, capitalistic ideals. That's my opinion. And if if I was to then ask what what kind of measures are different communities who are, you know, whether they're indigenous or or the First Nation communities or or every or the Inuit communities. So what what measures are being taken from the community end to maybe tackle this this way? And look, I'm not I'm not going to be saying that uh, there is nothing good that the modern world has to offer. I'm not one of them. Not 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 am I making that claim. And and I guess in my way, but in both the senses both we are talking as two cultures who have suffered from colonialism like we also were colonized by the british and, and so were you uh one major difference is uh my colonizers left i don't know how else to say this right i mean i i don't know how else to say this to be very honest it, that's the only way i can say it because yeah they came but at least one colonizer left I know there were different colon colonizations before that. Many did not leave, but uh, the one that particular we have in common, they actually, you know, they were pushed out after a freedom struggle. It it took us two hundred to three hundred years, and we pushed them out, or for whatever reasons they did not find it viable, and they we just made sure that it is no longer viable for them because we kept on fighting. And today, how does how do how does the community in Canada and try to deal with it how how does one come to terms with these realities and and if i was a young child born in the mohawk community and i asked this question that okay so we are the first nation people that means technically the community i belong to is literally the first community over here but there are these people here so so how do how do we build that relationship in today's world then? I think that uh, that question is a very complex one in many respects, but also simple uh, in the respect that, because if you look all over the world, you see indigenous cultures are beginning to make contact with one another. So that's one good aspect of um, the uh, interconnectedness that we did not have before. So that is a good thing. Um, we have a lot of cultural sharing where, um, for instance, in, in Australia, uh, they handed out, I remember a few years back, they handed out um, some passports issued by the traditional indigenous government there. Fascinating. Yeah. And one of the first things they were going to do is like, we have to use these because, you know, like uh, like old saying, use it or lose it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, a lot of those uh, traditional native um, Aboriginal people started traveling all over the world on these passports. They raised money to go and do it. Um, and of course, when they went to each individual country, they made contact with the indigenous people of those countries. Uh, 
this is one of the very popular things what we do um is, is when we go to a country like even think of it from like a tourist standpoint you go to hawaii do you want to buy something made in china you want to have a Hawaiian experience, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, not everybody agrees with that, but uh, that, that's the way I look at it. When I go to a place, I like to get something original from that area, something that makes that particular area unique. Now, what does that more than the indigenous people and their crafts and their culture that come from that very land? Um, so unless you're one of these tourists, like to go sit on the beach and like, hey, bring me a drink. <laughs> but uh, cultural tourism is... Uh, one good way of doing that because you see um, when you go to these countries you can make contact with these indigenous nations like the aborigine people did when they came here and we hosted them and uh, it, was, it was just wonderful experiences it, you know you have to be very careful with these experiences if you're not careful they can give you uh, hope for humanity yeah so 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 if I, if I was to ask you let's say if I am a I am a person traveling in Canada and I did want to experience something like this. If I wanted to, is there a way if I, I, you know, because, you know, many people in India are going to listen to this and some of them might travel to Canada. So let's say if somebody wanted to come and experience the Mohawk way of living and if they could, you know, maybe even help the community in some way or the other, you know, if you could tell us the problems the Mohawk community face or in just uh, in general, different communities face in Canada and how could say, you know, Indians, not only Indians who live in Canada, who have become Canadian citizens, who are Canadians now of Hindu faith or other faiths of India, Muslims or Christians or whatever faith they are, or just Indian tourists coming here. You know, tourism is a big industry at the end of the day. Now, now that we have kind of gotten over, uh, you know, COVID partially and, you know, things are opening up. So, so how could maybe we as a community reach out to your community and, and how do we help the community out yeah very cool uh well you know uh, that's just how i met you man it's just, uh, <laughs> you know we're doing it, uh, yeah, it and we we're did. using these modern tools it's like um uh, lately there's been this shift now initially i would say not very long ago uh, we had some conservative governments here in canada not too long ago that uh they're very more resource-based and um because uh, a lot of the, where they extract the resources, uh, the closest communities that live in those rural areas are ours. So it's not in their interest to play nice with us. I don't want to share. Um, because, you know, a lot of the times uh, they're extracting resources from areas that uh, there's treaties outstanding and court cases outstanding on. So they're just trying to take the money and run, right? Before we get our crap together and sue them. Uh, you know, some of these court cases have uh, been pending for at least 80 years. So they're very good at holding things up with things like apologies and things like apologies are only ever for the apologizers. It doesn't change anything. If I apologize to you, it's I'm doing that for me, not for you. It's my way of saying, now you can shut up now already. You have no grievance with me. I said, sorry. What about tomorrow when I treat you the same way? Do you know what I mean? So, but how can we help to get back to that? is how I met you. Um, I have noticed, whereas before there was a lot of new Canadians that would come to Canada, um, people, they see uh, a lot of our people in the cities and they might not be doing too well. They might be engaging in crime or um, uh, drug abuse and um, not looking like they're doing too, too well. 
well, we don't do too well in the cities, but if you go to the reserves, you see we're working, hardworking people. And a lot of the times, the people that are our unwanted emissaries in the cities, quite often they're outcasts. Uh, we they didn't act in a respectful manner, so we put the run on them, and then they go to those spots. And, and uh, people, especially new Canadians, arriving, not knowing the full stories, they see, uh, oh, man these indigenous people here are really messed up they get confused and they they see that so um as a result of that there was not really ever really a lot of interest because there's not um a lot that our government is doing to let new canadians know about the mistakes that they made in the past they don't want it's embarrassing if you messed up you don't want people to know about it also if it's going to affect who you vote for so lately, I have noticed more of an interest from new Canadians coming over here. Because let's face it, if you're a new Canadian and you're here, not always the case, but many times, it's because you've endured a lot of the same problems that resulted in you having to leave to come here. So, so, so now that I've noticed there's a camaraderie as a result of that when people are starting to finally know the full picture. And uh, so when I see a lot of um, uh, events and stuff like that, whereas nobody would even think in a million years of contacting us to be involved, nowadays they are. It's, it's, there's been positive change there. And that's what resulted in me being able to have the honor and the pleasure of, of coming and hanging out with all those Indian folks at that um, uh, event where I came to met you. And now it leads to this podcast. And who knows? People listening might be like, oh, you know. So, so there is good things that happen as a modern. I'm not one of these people that says, let's all run back to the teepee. <laughs> Either, you know. I mean, I like the fact I could turn my tap and water comes out. You know, that's kind of nice. Uh, air conditioning in my old age. I'm kind of appreciating that too these days. I, I don't know what to say. But, um, but yeah, it can be balanced. So when you go to a different area... And it doesn't, I'm not just speaking for Canada and, and for Mohawk people specifically, but wherever you go, do responsible tourism. Make sure that uh, uh, you're supporting people that are engaging in good practices uh, that do not negatively affect the indigenous people of the place that you're visiting. Um, when you want to buy an artifact or buy uh, some sort of thing, get something that was made. By those people and that can be tricky because there's many that exploit us to sell those goods and a lot of those goods are not real uh, do the research make sure that you're benefiting the the artists and since you're there you're going to talk to them you're going to you're going to learn about them you're going to make friends and and so you'll um you'll learn about the culture in an organic way not so uh, institutionally set with dogma and uh Business licenses, blue light special, aisle 13, Indian names. Uh, you want your spirit totems or over in aisle three. It's not that kind of a thing. Do you know what I mean? It's supposed mm -hmm. to happen organically. You're supposed to be able to look each other in the eyes and, and, and know uh, who we're talking to and what information we're sharing. And you got to remember, not all of us are going to be very forthcoming about this information. We did not commit it to paper. This is oral, strictly oral teachings. So we're careful of the information that we release, considering that only just in the 50s, a lot of it was illegal to share. 
Are these issues that I'm talking about with you right now, not too long ago, might get you in trouble for listening to me. They might even throw me in jail. You know, and and uh, if we were engaging in uh, uh, music and or ceremony and playing drums, and they would seize my objects and throw them in the fire because they're against God and they're looked upon as pagan, or they would kidnap them and put them into uh, museums in, in Europe. We're still trying to get that stuff back. So, so you know, like uh, basically, just be a cool person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but if let's say, is there like a internet resource that people can uh, can go to? Let's say these 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 particular brands or these particular names or these particular companies are owned and run and managed by communities in Canada and they are certified. Is there like a certification system where it, which is controlled by the native communities themselves? And they say, these are our brands. These are these are the things that we approve of. And if you want to support us, you can go to this website. Is there any resource like that? Well, sometimes resources like that, they come and go with such frequency um, that it's hard to really pay too much attention to them. I mean, I've been doing this so long and been doing the powwow highway and going and doing things in that traditional way that sometimes somebody will get a grant to start something like that. And as soon as the money is is uh, runs dry, it goes the way of the dinosaur. And then it's like, till the next one. And uh, so myself, I'm a little bit jaded, I must admit. Um, I don't pay too much attention to that stuff because it comes and goes with such frequency but there are um, many organizations and many people that are trying to get things like that underway everything's very new here Uh, our residential schools only the last one closed just in 1996 so things are very fresh here we're still figuring it out uh, uh, a lot of these issues and healing really from a lot of this so so there's we have a long ways to go um, maybe that could go back to the last question you did about uh, how could someone assist? Well, you know, we know you guys are really good at computer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, you know, anybody listening to this, if you're a Canadian and you're a tech geek, then, uh, in the description of the podcast, you'll have David Finkel's details. At least I'll have David's website there. And maybe you guys can, you know, sure, you know, contact David do the right thing if if this is how one ancient culture can connect with another ancient culture and maybe we can help each other out i think you know i i i would be more than happy i'll try my best to do whatever i can because what happens in india is i'll tell you there are a lot of i know what you're talking about cheap knockoffs where big companies will try to either exploit uh, those communities over there you know india has a great tradition of uh, crafts and uh, fabric and you know those old weaving patterns now now i understand in in the modern world you cannot uh, have a lot of the these things uh, are just not viable anymore and economics does play a role but there are many things that are still viable in the modern world and uh, there is a huge industry of that in india from uh, different things till the extent that the government of india also takes an active role like uh, the the prime minister of india recently you know khadi is a particular kind of very unique indian fabric and and the prime minister you know will just send a tweet out 
and you know there is a government run thing in india it's called khadi gram udyog so basically it's a store that is run by the government it sells products made out of a particular fabric i'm just giving it as an example and then people can go out there and buy it because the prime minister is saying this depending on how many people like him and hate him the ones who like him will go and buy it the ones who hate him will not <laughs> but it that's how it's always right with 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 politics but but i if you know i think if something like that was done over here with different kinds of uh, arts and crafts that are there that are part of these communities that are there if if it, it you know and these are run by them helped by other communities and they certify them and they have these <laughs> lines set up i think there is a market for all this like i know europeans i know americans and canadians who buy indian arts and crafts coming to india they do buy it it's it's not that they don't buy these things and they don't appreciate the culture because they buy it because they really love the culture and they they are fascinated by it so i'm i'm pretty sure it can be done over here too i, I mean i'm just i'm i'm just thinking in those terms now now david uh, the one thing that i wanted to talk about which is something that i wanted to keep uh, for uh, for a while for the segment of the podcast is so you're a musician right so uh, don't okay. tell my friends. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, I'm gonna be linking uh, David's website. It is uh, David Fink, uh, David Finkel Drums, right? Uh, that's that's the name of the website, right? Well, it's that's uh, just my email. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you something. All right. So so can you tell me? So what? Okay. So I'm on your website right now, and it says Caveman Techno. Can can you tell me what what is Caveman Techno? Well, um, okay, so you know how there's like a lot of uh, um, the classical uh, way of looking at music is, is old instruments that haven't changed for thousands of years. You know, mm -hmm. the construction in them, even just to get the materials to make them is difficult, you know, and mm -hmm. involves a lot of work. Um, and then you have like this crazy technical, brand new state-of-the-art stuff that just came out like five months ago you know and um with synth pads and looping technology uh these two camps quite often could be viewed upon as at, uh, at odds with each other mm -hmm. i don't think that that has to be the case i think they can be woven together like a finely woven thread you know you're talking about fabric right um and uh you know it doesn't mean that one has to uh, exist at the expense of the other you know mm -hmm. so why i use the word caveman techno is because caveman is for the old and the traditional techno is for whatever's new so the the word itself is kind of a uh joking uh, i don't we don't take ourselves too seriously you know uh, it's a joking way of uh looking at joining the the two interesting so so it's basically you know i'll give you an example so this is i i guess a way of bringing back old musical styles to a modern audience so i'll give you an example so in india there's something called coke studio it was basically sponsored by coca-cola and it is in india and pakistan both and then there are other versions of it there is something called peninsula studios and stuff like that so basically what they try to do is they blend semi-classical indian or classical indian or and folk music both all, all all different genres and then they render it together in in a modern way so there'd be a drum kit involved there'd be guitars involved and there'll be ancient instruments involved too there'll be those and they mix it together and then they 
blend of fusion of that. So, so if, am I getting it right? Is that something uh, 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 that you're trying to attempt through through your own music? Well, I can't help but do it. I I, um, I wish I could say that uh, it's a concerted effort because uh, that would make me feel like I was really smart and forward thinking. But uh, <laughs> really, it's just inevitable result of uh, living in the world I live in. Uh, awesome, awesome. So, so you know, so, so when you create this music, and obviously, I'm going to be requesting you to play something. So, for for maybe, I guess you know, for the for the listener and the viewer to get an idea about it. So, what? I guess we can break it down in two ways, and 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 then I'll hand it over to you now. Is maybe we can start with, I guess, what is the ancient sound or closer to the ancient sound. And then, what are we trying to do today with the new music? And and so, how does the old and the new then come together? And why is it coming together in a particular way? I guess uh, that would be the best way. And, and you you can play the music whenever you want to. I don't know when you're gonna play, so I'm just you know handing it over to you now. Uh, I don't know either, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, you know. Um... It's just like uh, uh, when you have these old instruments, they are quite often uh, uh, made from materials that are found in whatever local area. We, t we take for granted uh, in our modern world um, shipping and having access to all these exotic goods. Maybe we don't take as much. Um, we don't take it for granted quite as much after supply lines have been interrupted with the pandemic and in many cases in, in, in the war and stuff. Um, we're starting to recognize, hey, why is it so hard for me to find my cell phone cable, you know? <laughs> but um, shipping, supply lines, uh, we, yeah, we, we absolutely take that stuff for granted. So when you look at the older instruments, they are made from materials that are found from the area that the culture comes from. So for instance, like uh, I, I'm a drum maker and a flute maker and a rattle maker. And when we go to those powwows, which is always the best way for you guys to touch base, if, if people come... Go to a powwow. You're never going to be made to feel weird. We all make our own stuff. We don't want to go there and just stare at each other. We want people to come that we could share our culture with and be proud of it and uh, actually have some bucks to buy our stuff, you know? <laughs> but uh, so at the powwows, I set up my table. My family, uh, we travel with the family. So uh, we have two daughters and I have a wife. My wife is a traditional indigenous fashion designer. Um, she does the same thing I do actually, with her genre, um, mm -hmm. mi mixing modern um, clothing with furs and beads. And so so she's, we get along good. Uh, we used to travel, we met on the powwow scene, actually. I, we were neighbors. I had my gazebo and I put my table out, put my, my drums and my rattles out. She put out her uh, clothing and I looked at how nice her stuff was. And I was just like, oh man, I'm not going to make no money today. Look how, <laughs> look how awesome she is. <laughs> She's going to make it all, you know? So I figure I better just marry her, you know? <laughs> so we've been traveling around, and now we we get half-price booth fees. But, uh, yeah, because they charge us money to set up our stuff. But anyways, uh, so, yeah, uh, we have two daughters. One is a dancer. She does the traditional dancing with the jingle dress. Um, and um, the uh, eldest daughter is a drummer and a singer herself. So we are engaging in our culture in... A traditional slash modern way. Uh, we don't paddle to the uh, along the waterways in canoes carrying all our stuff. We drive a car, 
that burns gasoline. We're part of the machine, you know, and we acknowledge that. And we do our best to try to lessen our impact as much as possible. But uh, when it comes to instrumentation, yeah, it's always used. Let me show you. So um, I'll show you some instruments here, actually. You know what? Sure. Maybe I'll switch uh, angle here. Yeah, you can switch the other camera angle now. Yeah, that would be good. There we awesome. go. So, awesome. Awesome. So, so yeah, I'll switch. I'll uh, put this microphone here so I can uh, have my arms available to me here. Sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, the things, we, you know, we use like uh, our skins and hides to make the drums, uh, buffalo horns for rattles, uh, seed pods. Sometimes you, sometimes you get lucky. You get a real cool instrument that no human had to make. Nature made it itself. Mm -hmm. So we got a rattle here. So that, that's, always, that's always cool when a, a human being didn't even have to make it, you know. Uh, we call those found instruments. Got it. And you could take uh, cactuses, which are hollow in the inside, uh, to store the water. But animals will steal it. So that's just why they have evolved to grow spikes. But if you take those spikes off and turn them around and stick them back in and fill the inside, then you get a rain stick. You fill mm -hmm. the inside with little pebbles and stuff. So it's really cool ways, very simple, rudimentary designs. And then I have all these crazy synthesizers involving all the technology of uh, humankind here. Mm -hmm. Buffalo horn, rattles, uh, various types of things. Maybe I'll just uh, kind of, I don't know, throw something together here. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, please, please do. Yeah, yeah, please do, please do. Well, first thing first, let's give ourselves a beat. We'll go with uh, some nutshells here. Well, I got this looping pound. This is the, the technology part down here, and this is got the it. Part. Got it. Got it. All right, let's go slow. We'll go slow. We'll, we'll just do a beat first. Cool. So, there I lock it in, and there's there's my beat. Is the, the that rattle guy? Uh -huh. He works, he works cheap. <laughs> So here's one of my rattles I made. Uh, this is a, a hoop of uh, birch uh, with corn inside. Corn, huge, huge part of Mohawk culture. Wrapped around with deer hide. So let's add this in here. Why not? So very, very simple for now. Okay. Uh, but you got to understand um, uh, our music was done communally. Uh, so mm -hmm. it was very accessible for everybody. We didn't mm -hmm. have like uh, performers that would sit there and play at you. We play with you. Mm -hmm. um, so because our music is so accessible, it wasn't like one particular segment of the population would need to study from a very young age to learn all these. It was, it was easy so that we could all do it together. So what are we gonna add here? Let's uh, let's add some nature sounds just for the heck of it. Sure, let's go for. We'll get a little rain, rain stick action here. add a little bit of thunder i know there's a lot of places that uh, 
maybe some of your listeners might be enduring some drought. So we're going to give you guys a little bit of rain here as best we can. Perfect. There, a little rain for you. And of course, now we'll begin to form the streams. lives in the streams, little critters, some of the first critters to come out of the water. Put our froggies in the stream here. And he better watch out from the rattlesnake. We must have forget about our bird light. Do you hear my dog? He's getting in on the action. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, buddy. You're hired. That's my we form a duo now. I can hear him. It's great. This is great. He knows. All right, we'll bring that down for now. Let's get our beat happening. playing music. My dog is bugging me. get creative here and uh, maybe what we'll do is we'll add a bass line with this flute here we go
get funky. Awesome. That was brilliant, buddy. That was brilliant. You never know what's going to happen. I'm just having fun here, actually. I, I just kind of bought this thing, so I'm still figuring it out. But uh, we, we can have fun, you know? Yeah, it, I'll switch my camera back. All right, all right, all right, all right. Thank you very much. I, this was amazing. And, and you know why? I, I wanted to keep it this way. And, and I'm not even going to edit any portion out of it. The reason for that is I want it to be the way it is. Uh, you cannot have... a. a you know a podcast which discusses cultures that are closest to nature and then you meddle with them you you just leave it the way they are and then you let the let the strings fall over there but uh so as far as music is concerned so uh, so you guys do like concerts so you're doing you're on the road constantly yeah a lot of traveling uh i'll be honest with you a little bit more traveling than i would like but um once you get in front of uh, the audience uh, especially youth I have a special part in my heart for the youth because, let's face it, it's more uh, efficient to spend your limited energy that you have here on this planet building young minds than trying to change old ones. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we just have to hope that uh, we inform the youth tomorrow. Maybe things won't be too, too much better for us here now but for our kids down the line things will be a little bit better for them the reason why we exist and why this culture exists today is as a result of very hardship and, and endurance that uh, the people before us so this is why we have such a respect for our ancestors and for our elders yeah so 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 you use the word the respect for elders now that now that's that's something very common in all all ancient cultures right but even in the chinese culture uh, or cultures in india or cultures across over here what i see is that and another thing that i constantly observe is you know nowadays you have climate change and a lot of these talks but if you really think about it the, the ancient cultures were far more in sync with their surroundings then and, and once again i'm not saying uh, I, not am i going to dump my car or my house or anything but what i'm saying is that what could communities these ancient communities contribute in their own way to the modern world and how can we yeah. draw that balance so what would your message be on that end Okay, so uh, we don't just get to vote in um, elections. Mm -hmm. We vote every single day. And the ballots are found in our wallets. They're called mm -hmm. dollars. Mm -hmm. That's how you can vote every day. Because every time you buy a product, you are voting for that product. You got to think of your money as ballots. You're saying, I agree with the platform and everything involved that resulted in this product coming into my possession. So it's incumbent upon us, if we care, if we have a moral compass anyways, uh, to do the research involved that led to that product coming into our possession. A lot of us are working so hard, we don't have time to do it. So we say. 
but no change ever happened without sacrifice. So I, I think that the best way to try to improve that is spending habits. Because let me ask you something, all right? And you can answer me honestly. How long do you think a factory will make a product that nobody buys? How long will those lines remain open and will they buy that materials and pay those people to make it or the machines pay for the energy to run it? How long will that run if nobody buys the product? Yeah, it won't stay open for that long. We'll shut down. There you go. So we have more power than we realize. People say the government controls the people. Well, the government caters to the market. The market is created by the people. Therefore, the people control the government. It's cumulative. We all do a little bit. There's not one huge person doing a lot. Not without our money. They need our money. We outnumber them. We forget that sometimes. It's convenient to forget it because then we don't have to go without. We don't want to go without. It's human nature. We want our toys. We want to go fast. Myself, I take the car to the powwows. I'm not paddling there in my canoe. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, uh, so, you know, we have to do what we can to make sure that our money. I, I constantly get my bank. They're bugging me. They're saying, you have a lot in your savings account to... A lot. Well, you know, by my standards, a lot. I rent. I I can't afford to buy a house. Um, so they say, why don't you put this in RSPs and invest in this stuff? And I'm like, okay, well, tell me something that I can invest in, where I could track it, where where I could. And for a little while there, they had some programs, but they dried up and they went away. They said there wasn't that much interest in it. So I don't really have a lot of sympathy for our position that we're in as human beings in this in this um i want to sound bitter but i uh, let me just leave it at this is we make our own bed we have to lie in it i mean uh which how much sympathy would you have for somebody if they were driving in a truck going down the highway and they looked up ahead and they seen a brick wall coming towards them and they didn't have enough sense to put the brakes on i don't know how much sympathy would you have yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I think where I come from is I uh, human beings are a complete, uh, a very in, ingenious species. And we create problems, we solve problems. Obviously, we give solutions to the problems created by us in the first place too. And I completely understand that. But I guess, yeah, so in our own way, you, know, you can try to use technologies that are more friendly to the nature. And uh, what... I guess studying the carbon footprint of everything that you do, everything that you use. And and once again, like I said, it's the tragedy of the commons. Everybody thinks the other person's going to do it. And, and I guess the one thing that has always stood out to me uh, whenever I've studied uh, a lot of ancient cultures, whether in India or, uh, or outside India is, is that their synchronicity is the right word with, with nature. They, they are far more, incompatibility with nature, but then again, nature is ever changing and constantly changing too. So, if you try to live in a canoe in the modern world, then you're also not in sync uh, in, in many ways <laughs> with nature because nature yeah. changes. Well, you know, like I'll, I'll give you a quick little rundown. Like these are, we have four seasons in this part of the world. And so we have spring, summer, fall, and winter. 
and mm-hmm. each season has its thing. So like uh, every time off that I get is usually spent in the collection of uh, wild harvesting or hunting or snaring or getting resources that I need to make my instruments to sell at the powwows. Mm. Um, so like in springtime, that's when we're picking wild garlic, wild leeks, uh, fiddleheads. Um, this is just this part of the world. And uh, then it moves into summer, which is this is the time for growing. Um, so you're, you're growing and you're fishing, right? And then fall happens where all our autumn leaves kind of, uh, they're beautiful. And then they fall down and they create leaf litter, which our mushrooms grow in. And because the leaves all fall, we were able to have more visibility through the forest. So this is where we're able to hunt the deer. And it coincides with the time that the deer are not pregnant. So we're not affecting that next generation. That moves into winter where now we can see the tracks through the snow uh, while we still have snow. Um, and we were able to do our snaring and do some of our medicine collecting where we can see certain types of funguses and stuff that uh, grow on the trunks of trees and stuff. And then it turns into spring and it all happens again i engage in all of that i i'm making um i'm doing my skins i'm doing my my instrumentation and yes i still drive cars and yes i still live in a house and using youtube i think this is youtube isn't it yeah um so so you see what i mean like um one doesn't have to be gone at the expense of the other this is why my music sounds i use these fancy schmancy gadgets here i don't even own a cell phone man i'm not kidding yeah i mean it uh which was uh which was kind of uh the only way you and i have communicated is through email that's about it that's it. i don't have a cell phone i can't use them man uh when you're in the woods and you're living like i live and you want to be super observant because i take three steps into the woods and i can identify at least a dozen different plants and medicines that are edible or help certain types of ailments uh, every minute off that I get, I dedicate towards expanding that knowledge and uh, always more to learn. And the more you learn, the less you realize, you know. So um, I have to have my sensitivity, my sensitivity set high so that I don't miss anything. That affects me in the modern world a little bit negatively. I, I put a cell phone in my hand and this is where everybody thinks I'm gonna be wacky here, but like uh, my fingers go numb and then my wrist and it travels up my elbow and gives me headaches. And uh, I don't know if they studied that or whatever, but it, it bothers me. So I, I don't have cell phones. So my girls, it doesn't seem to bother them. Um, but uh, so I pay for three cell phones, but I don't know, I don't use any of them. <laughs> Yeah, so so I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it because my sensitivity, if your sensitivity is set high in an urban environment, you're going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that That's interesting. Uh, I, I I just find it fascinating that. Uh, so so when you go, are, are there like things where you take people on tours inside these places where all they the time join you? Yeah, yeah, all the time. I know it's, now you're going to think I'm shamelessly promoting that, but uh, mm-hmm. you, I, I have some organizations. I want you to. I want you to. Well, we. I, I don't ever look at it like having fans. I look at it as having friends and mm-hmm. uh, and, and learning partners. That's the way I look at it. Uh, this is why we don't, a lot of us uh, traditional folks, we don't have websites. Uh, we, we kind of rely on word of mouth. And when people go into an area, they ask at the local community, maybe the Native Friendship Center, every town has one, say, 
or if they know an indigenous person, hey, who do you know that could do? And you rely on that word of mouth because that person is recognized by the community. If they have a website and they're, you know, charging for ceremonies and sweat lodges and stuff, we don't take those people too seriously, to be honest with you. Uh, we unless like we don't know who they are a lot of the times, and uh, it's unfortunate because they're very visible, more visible than uh, than than the traditional people. Um, a lot of us don't have sites, yet we rely on being found rather than uh, shamelessly promoting ourselves. So it's yucky. It feels yucky to do that. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, so it's easy to get sidetracked. We're having a great. I don't know if we're having a great chat or I'm just talking everybody's ears off here. <laughs> No, 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 this is amazing. So please, please continue. <laughs> but okay, good. <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I, I just want to say this is cool. I've been looking forward to this. I looked at some of your um, um, websites just to see what I was getting myself into. Some of your uh, <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. I was, I was like, oh, this guy, he's not afraid of controversy. You know, this uh, it was it's cool. He's a funny guy. So, you know, thanks for having me, man. <laughs> No, no, it, it, the pleasure is man, uh, mine, and and you know before before we wrap it up, I just uh, is is there anything you know I want I want you to have the last word. So, is there any message you want to give? Is there anything else you want to say to my audiences? Uh, please go for it. Oh, uh, well, I would say. Uh... Maintaining that respect for local traditions. I mean, my, myself, uh, well, not too recently, uh, actually not too long ago, it was just, just before the pandemic, we went to uh, Morocco and we were meeting with indigenous Berber folks, uh, Emazine folks, Emazia. Uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. But uh, very cool folks. And uh, it was like one of these festivals where there was like... Uh, 75 different countries were represented and on the ground level despite our government's best efforts to divide us and the media's efforts to uh, get their clickbait to divide us and sell their ads uh, on the ground level at these little grassroots festivals where all these cultural people are showing up and learning from each other like I was saying before, if you're not careful, it'll give you hope for humanity. <laughs> Those are great. So if you have come to, to, to Canada or uh, the States, um, make sure, or, or Mexico, anywhere, anywhere in the world, actually, make sure that you try to touch base with those local people. They might be a little harder to find, but the experience that you get um, and the wonderful friendships that you build with those gen very, often very genuine people, it will be very precious indeed more than uh you know a kind of relationship you could have with say uh walmart <laughs> no it's awesome man uh david uh, and i say this with all seriousness when i met you and i saw you on the stage uh uh it was such an amazing experience uh i think it was uh i mean if i can remember the name it was laura and you right both of you were there right? yeah my wife joined me for yeah, that one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so she's was, quite often when she's there at my side playing drums yeah, singing yeah. She's, she's a singer too it was a wonderful experience uh it, i just had a wonderful time and the moment i saw you perform over there 
I was like, I have to get him on the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's just on that time I, I had decided, I don't care when it happens, but I'll make it happen. Uh, I'll make sure. And uh, well, thanks know, for I, having me, man. And uh, I suppose even a broken clock is right twice a day. No, it's it's amazing. You guys are amazing. I I just have so much respect for what you guys are doing, and 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 I hope you know people learn something from conversations like this, and and people try and understand that yes, beyond our innate group think or our innate anger, you know, there are many things that we can celebrate, and and I I just had such like I like I said, I'll say it again and again. I had a wonderful time meeting you and Laura, and I wish you to all the best, and I wish the communities all the best, and I I and I hope people who listen to this podcast uh, or either on the audio version or or who's going to watch this on YouTube, they they try to find out more about cultures like this especially you know all my canadian audiences i hope they do and uh, once again david thanks a lot for coming and speaking with me my pleasure my pleasure if uh, anybody's ever coming to canada find me on the facebook get a hold of me if you're in the area we'll, we'll show you around we'll show you some stuff thanks so much awesome. for having me man awesome so guys we'll wrap today's discussion up but before we wrap it up in the description of the podcast itself what i'm going to do is i'm going to leave david's website in the description of the podcast there you have his facebook uh connect his email id and i would urge all of you even his youtube channel go and check the content out try and understand these cultures you know at times in india we we live in our own cocoons we because we are a continuous civilization and in india it's a very common thing that we say we we are a running civilization for thousands of years and one of, in one of the rare cases indians can say we are an alive civilization we still have a civilization that is alive in the real sense that it's been continuing the traditions like you can trace it back to the indus valley for example you know the tandoors that we found in the the cooking pots that we found in the indus valley civilization in the archaeological digs we still use them today the bindi the the mark on the forehead that indian women use the vermilion the sindoor we still use them today and we can date them back to thousands of years and and there are other cultures like us too and at, in fact it's the responsibility of each and every indian as someone who takes pride in being an ancient culture to actually find out about other cultures and celebrating them with equal happiness and if whenever you find them talk about them and this is what i'm trying to do over here my sole aim of getting david on the podcast was only to celebrate something which is like us in that sense who, who understands the world so i hope you guys uh, enjoyed this discussion today once again go and try to uh, check david's content out and you know i know david doesn't have a cell phone so i can't it's that way and and i don't want him to have a I cell phone i can skin phone. a deer though <laughs> so and and next time if you're in canada you know try to reach out to david go and check the mohawk culture out and maybe other cultures too and as far as i'm concerned you guys know the drill you can support the charbuk podcast you can like this video subscribe to the channel and do the other bit I will see you all next time with another interesting discussion with another interesting guests until then namaste take care bye bye